This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. I am so happy and honored to have Kurt Landry as my guest today. I know him as one of our authors here at Charisma Media. He is the founder of the House of David and Kurt Landry Ministries in Oklahoma. And because it was in his backyard, so to speak, he was able to go to the big Trump rally that happened at the BOK Arena in Tulsa on Saturday night. Now, if you were like me, you were glued to your TV set to see what the president would say. Really, the first time that he was doing a campaign rally since this whole COVID-19 shutdown began. And I'm, I'm very glad to have Kurt Landry on the podcast with me because apparently, from what I've heard, I kind of dug around and found out that uh, there was some stuff going on there that the media didn't tell us. And so, of course, I reached out to you and asked you to be on my podcast. So, uh, first of all, let me thank you for being with us. And, and uh, can you kind of fill in what was really going on? Maybe even tell us chronologically what was happening there in Tulsa that we didn't see on the TV. Uh, well, Stephen, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I enjoy doing my podcast monthly uh, with Dr. Green. And uh, I really felt like this needed to be talked about. First of all, you know, I really, I'm, I'm kind of a Bible crap, so to say. I'm not necessarily for one side or the other. Uh, but, you know, God doesn't take sides. He's coming to take over. So my concern as an Oklahoman of what happened is, is, is we don't need to be offending God in this hour. You know, just because we have freedom in this country doesn't mean that we get to do whatever we want to do. Freedom means that gives us power to be able to do what we ought to do. And I really was just honored that President Trump and the administration would make a choice. They had several choices, and they chose to honor Oklahoma and all cities, Tulsa, because I thought, what an opportunity for healing. Um, we are on the, uh, an anniversary, a critical anniversary of, of Greenwood, uh, the massacre, well, the largest race massacre in the history of the United States. So we're coming in in that same uh, weekend and period of time. Uh, I was already scheduled to gather with African-American leaders for reconciliation. And I thought, you know, this could be, instead of looking at it as a negative thing, let's look at it as a positive place to come together in unity. You know, the scripture says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And uh, so, so we were coming into it with a lot of energy uh, I was blessed by the Trump surrogates and the Fox News uh, advisors. They invited Christy and I to uh, travel into the event with them and to be around the administration that's there. These people are excellent. We, we had a, just an excellent experience. But, uh, Stephen, what happened is on the pre-registration side, what we noticed that when the registration on the free tickets got to about 800000 Suddenly, there was news reports that COVID was spiking throughout the nation in Tulsa. Uh, and then they started uh, giving fears about Black Lives Matters and Antifa intimidation, and it was going to be dangerous if you, if you came. And then the next thing that happened, uh, the TikTok, you know, which is a, a pop-type 
teenage, uh, very powerful social media, they started publishing saying, uh, uh, do you know that you could register for seats and create empty seats at the Trump rally? So they started that that attack. And, and then I think the thing that disturbed me the most was that right about 5 p.m. on the day of the event, you know, we had temperature screeners that were set up and they would check your temperature when you would go in through the security. And uh, those temperature screeners uh, mysteriously disappeared at five o'clock. And, uh, and so at five o'clock, we still have two hours to the event. And at five o'clock, while everybody is outside standing in line with massive security, uh, they shut down the attendance. And so, um, and, and, and then, you know, you have the BOK Center that holds 19,000. They're reporting in their media that only 6,200, you know, were there, according to the fire department. And then the BOK Center itself was saying there was 10 to 11. Trump communications director say it was 12,000. And, uh, you know, the Tulsa World said it was it was like 10,000. So so there's all these numbers because the attendance issue was the number. And when you have the news media that was there that are are anti-Trump, of course, they're filming the upper balconies, which should have been filled because there was literally tens of thousands of people outside that were not able to get into the event because the screeners were uh were taken off. So I was concerned, like, where did these screeners go to? And then the next thing we hear is that the mayor's aide, Jack Graham, resides, uh, resigns. And I got a copy of his letter here where he says, I regret with a heavy heart. And that he resigns uh, from the Tulsa mayor's office, G.T. Bynum, handling of the Trump campaign and, and the Trump visit. So so there was a there was a lot of activity over this because these health screeners leave at five o'clock, which caused this building to not be filled and and the security that was there uh, that that was narrowing it down. So I, I really I really had a uh, I really sense as an Oklahoman that we really kind of missed the the greater opportunity of, of being honored with the first Trump rally after the uh, covid shut down. And I don't feel like we really maximized the event because of all these different forces that were working against it. I mean, you, it was tangible there, Stephen. When we were there, uh, it was, it was, there was a tangible resistance. Now, the energy inside the arena was absolutely like a revival. I mean, people were excited. Um, all of our government, Kevin Stitt and his wife and uh, Senator uh, James Langsford, Senator James Inhofe, um, all these different uh, um, Jim Jordan, that's who I sat with. We sat in the governor's booth there. All of our officials showed up, but uh, the mayor, uh, G.T. Bynum, did not show. So, so I think I think there's a there's an issue here with and and this is this is my issue. Uh, Stephen, is this. When you have an opportunity, when we understand that ultimately we need God to bless where we live, we need God to bless our cities, we need God to, to bless our businesses, because I think we have to come to terms with just kind of like Joshua, you know, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he said, you know, who are you? Are you for us or against us? And he said, neither. 
you know, he's for the word of God. And, and when, if you want the word of God and God to bless you, then we need to submit to every human authority because they're from the Lord. And we need to understand in Psalms, it says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in those ways. But also in Isaiah 54 and 16, it says, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire and who brings forth an instrument for his works. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. And it's great because that's the scripture in Isaiah 16. But we all love to quote Isaiah 17 with no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But what we need to understand that it says that we are instruments created for his work. And it almost feels like that I know a lot of people are praying and that the, that the Lord would drain the swamp and that that's one of President Trump's assignment is to drain the swamp. And I think there's kind of a, a manifestation of rebellion that is, that is rooted in, in, in these different places where there's an opportunity to submit to what God is doing, align yourself with what God is doing, celebrate what God is doing, and release a blessing in our community. And I really sense as an Oklahoman in Tulsa that, that we, I don't think we missed the opportunity, but I think we damaged it by some of this and pulling those screeners. And that's the point that you won't, you won't see in the news that the screeners actually were pulled off their job at five o'clock. Well, this all brings back memories of the Trump rally that was here in Orlando. In fact, now that I think of it, it was almost exactly a year ago. It was when he announced that he was running for president. And of course, we were surprised that he picked Orlando, but someone explained to me that uh, Florida is such an important state in any election, and especially what they call the I-4 corridor, that he wanted to come here. And, you know, I was able to go in the VIP door, which meant that I could go to a reception they had for the president, you know, beforehand and so forth. But there was no certainty. I had to kind of call the right people. And I went ahead and got my own ticket online and I know some other people that got several tickets. And so the numbers were, you know, a lot higher than the number that actually got in. But people were lining up like five days before. You know, it rains here in Florida and they had a deluge and people even stayed. They didn't want to lose their place in line. The Amway Arena here was, was full to the rafters except one or two little places. I, there was one place that it looked like maybe they had reserved some seating for about 10 or 15 people, and for some reason those people didn't show up. And the news media kept focusing on that little itty-bitty spot. And they people were almost hanging from the rafters that was so full. And why that spot, little spot was open, I don't know. Normally people would kind of move over and be a little more comfortable or something. But, you know, it was just interesting to me how dishonest the media was. And of course, I go into this, uh, people who listen to the podcast know that I've written several books on Trump. In fact, this podcast is called God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, and it's my way to try to motivate the Christian community not to be passive. And I'm kind of concerned that Christians are as passive as they are about this, particularly for a couple of things that really affect us. Number one is uh, religious freedom, because during the COVID shutdown, we saw how quickly uh, government officials called churches non-essential, as well as synagogues and mosques, 
However, liquor stores, abortion clinics, and in the states that allow it, marijuana was considered essential. And I think this is just a foreshadowing of what's going to happen if the extreme left gets in. At the same time, we are seeing anarchy in various parts of the country, really for the first time in a long, long time. I mean, in the 60s, we would have seen some things that we consider anarchy. And and once in a while, you know, there'll be some kind of little riot, but not all over the country like now, not uh, just wall-to-wall news coverage like we see with the media now. And so I'd like your take on kind of what you see going on in America, what you see with um, the Christian community and its response, and how do you think this will affect the election? Uh, Well, here's the problem, is when man's laws are in conflict with God's laws, it's called sin. It, It just, it's really fundamental. This is sin. And so God, it's a lack of respect. You know, God said, let us create man in our image, that they might have dominion. So so God's not going to intervene here. God intervenes through God's people. And so uh, I really think that the majority of the church has a, has a misunderstanding of separation of church and state, uh, constitutionally as it applies to practical application. So what happens is we have used that to think like politics are dirty, so we'll leave that to the politicians and we'll take care of the church instead of a more practical and more real uh uh, plan would be let's get clean Christians into politics to clean it up so that it's not like what it is today. And I think there's really been a neglect of discipleship. You know, in the Great Commission, the Lord says that we are to go to all nations, but we are to make disciples. And so uh, we need to pray in, vote in, and prepare good, solid Christian men and women who are able to bring God's alignment and God's instruction into these different offices. Because what you're seeing, the deterioration in the the government officials are all anti-Christ, they're anti-God, and and the thing is, our nation is a Judeo-Christian nation. We have a Judeo-Christian constitution. That's why there's forces trying to change our laws. They, they want to defund the police so they can bring in Sharia law, and that's a different religion. And, uh, and here's the thing is you can't cut a tree off, and, then, and you can't go to an apple tree and make it an olive tree. So Because the roots is what determines what the fruit is, and the fruit determines the name, because you'll know a tree by its fruit. And this nation is a Judeo-Christian nation who has deep roots in, in, in uh, Judeo-Christian foundations, and that's what, we're in, that's what we are fighting for. So I really think that the church needs to become very, very proactive. We just had Dr. Tony Evans from Dallas uh, here in House of David Friday night. He was ministering, and, and his suggestion to us was what he's doing in South Dallas is the churches need to have Zoom calls and come together in unity and express their concerns, but bring solutions. They also, that the churches need to come together and adopt a school in their areas and in their region. And also those same groups need to adopt a police precinct. And, and then there needs to be a humanitarian community effort to the poor in their communities where, where the churches come together and serve together. So now they're praying, 
they're ministering, and they're serving together. And I really feel like uh, Dr. Evans' plan, which he's doing at uh, in South Dallas at um, in his in his large community in his church there, very effectively for years. So when we had him at our event, he was speaking this. I believe that's a good starting place. But I think there has to be a a transformation. I think we have to apply God's word. I think we have to change and align our ministries and businesses and all the seven mountains of influence. We have to change in, in alignment with God's instruction, but also we have to understand the transformation power of repentance and the transformation power of admitting. You know, it's one thing to have a Second Chronicles 714 meeting, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, but we have to turn from our wicked ways. There has to be institutional change. There, there needs to be an institutional change addressing some of the social issues that are legitimately prejudiced to different groups in this country. And, and we need to be able to have social change that protects the police as well as the minorities who are suffering under very real persecutions and there's reasons for these things, and I understand that, but there needs to be dialogue. There has to be communication, and there needs to be more interaction with the community, with the police, and with the, the leaders in the community, and the community itself. And, and that, that has really broken down. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking about, I was raised in Los Angeles in the 60s during the Watts riots, so... Uh, uh, I'm, I, I come from a background where I know what I'm talking about. I have lived through this. And, and the key is for the church. The church has to become a bridge of reset and reconciliation. Oh, that's so well said. And I think it's so important, too. And I'm glad that you brought it up because these things are not just, I'm going to say black and white. I don't mean it from a racial point of view, but it's, it's not either A or B or left or right. They're kind of complicated, and it's important for us believers not to just see things with uh, political parties. I'm a lot like you. I don't really fit into either one, and I've actually been a registered uh, voter in each party at different times in my life. I started off as a Democrat, but the way the Democratic Party is now with the issues that the Bible says are important, there's just no way I could support anyone who uh, backs that platform. And it's one of the reasons why I support uh, Donald Trump, because, you know, isn't it interesting that the same media that loved him when he was a New York playboy and a TV celebrity, and he got so much positive press during that era, when he suddenly became a conservative and started backing Christian values or Judeo-Christian values, uh, he, he certainly is a horrible person with a horrible past, and anyone who supports him is a hypocrite. And, you know, I deal with this a lot in my various books on Trump because we know that God has always used uh, imperfect people, and every single politician is imperfect. And I've said to some of the never-Trumpers, if you aren't for Trump, who in the world are you for? Tell me, which of these lefty Democrats are better than Trump? Tell me. Which ones are more holy? There are none, you know. And uh, at this point in time, Donald Trump has pro proven to be our a very strong leader in lots and lots of ways and, and has also been a, a defender of not only Christian values, but also a defender of Israel. I think what he's done for Israel is huge. 
It's downplayed in the media. You know, they made a big deal about it when he moved the embassy, and then they kind of don't talk about it anymore. But I believe that in God's economy, that how you treat Israel says a lot about, you know, how God sees you as a nation. And and so I'm very glad that uh, America is has really backed Israel all the way since it started in 1948, but continues to back, especially with the policies with the Trump administration. So anyway, this podcast is about you. I shouldn't have probably talked so much, but you you were kind of poking my buttons there, and I felt I had to say that. So I'll give you the last word, and and maybe you can uh, react to some of the things that uh, we've been talking about the last couple of minutes. Well, first of all, the reason you want your your government leaders, regardless of who they are, whether they are Prime Minister Netanyahu, whether they are President Trump, you want your decision makers to make decisions that can be blessed by God. So by Donald Trump moving the embassy from Tel Aviv two years ago to Jerusalem brings a Genesis 12-3 blessing into America. No different than standing against pro-life when when uh, I mean uh, against the uh, abortion issues. When when we are pro-life and and we understand that the the shedding of innocent blood brings a blood curse on the land, that we we as Christians have to be pro-life. We we cannot take a pro-abortion stance. It brings a curse on the nation. No different than not standing and recognizing Jerusalem as the undivided capital of the Jewish people. But President Trump has also recognized the sovereignty of the Golan Heights, and that's the high place. And we know that even militarily, those who control the high place can control the area. You've obviously been there many times, like myself, and we understand what an important place that is. In fact, you have worked with us on our Peace Grove, and in order to, well, let me back into this, what what, what really caused this event. I was invited to speak uh, at Mar-a-Lago at a Trump event. And so uh, the day before I was there speaking, they asked me and a couple of pastors to come in and pray. Now, this was from the president, okay? They asked us to pray and anoint with oil the Mar-a-Lago property that's there. So we said, sure. So, I mean, so this is a president that understands that he's got godly men and that he wants us to take anointing oil and pray over this, over his property. And we did that. And when we were leaving, uh, we were pulling out of the uh, property and I look out, they have like a field there. It kind of looks like a soccer field. It's not, but a big green area. And there's Ivanka, and she's got her children and some of the cousins. And they're all playing, and, and they're on the grass. But surrounding them is multiple uh, Secret Service agents heavily armed. And and it just hit me. I thought to myself, wow, what a price this family is paid. This is a billionaire family. They're used to doing whatever they want. They come out of their comfort zone, really, to save our nation. And, uh, and, 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 it, and it almost moved me to tears seeing her there as we drove out with our car. And I felt like I said to the Lord, Lord, show me how I can honor them for the sacrifice that they have done. Because a big part of my teaching is honor is the currency of heaven. Well, at that time, a friend of mine in uh, Israel purchased the... Uh, the French government uh, uh, office there at the bottom of the Golan Heights, where they where they used to have a checkpoint, and he's turned it into a really nice bed and breakfast. He has several acres there, and we have a ministry called My Olive Tree, and uh, we have planted over fifty thousand olive trees on military bases all over Israel, 
all the proceeds from those olives and the olive oil goes to lone soldiers to take care of them. And uh, so uh, anyway, the, a friend of mine has this property and I said, let's do this. Let's plant 500 olive trees and 50 mature trees, like 40 year old trees for one for each state to honor President Trump and his family in the Golan Heights, thanking him for recognizing Jerusalem and recognizing the Golan Heights sovereignty and, and let's bless them. This was right at the same time when, uh, and I didn't know this, but Prime Minister Netanyahu was putting the Trump Heights up the road. He put up the sign. In fact, just a couple of days ago on President Trump's birthday, it got officially approved that Trump Heights now can actually be constructed. So, so we put together this uh, olive grove. We're almost finished. I've got a hundred uh, regular trees left and six mature trees of the fifty. And and what we're going to do, Stephen, and this is so powerful. We're going to take a lambskin. We're going to have all the names of the five hundred people plus the fifty who sponsored the large mature trees, and we're going to have it done by a calligraphy calligraphy with their names on this lambskin and it's going to be uh, framed in this beautiful like uh, copper and bronze olive frame that's going to be uh, produced by Sam Philippe who is a famous artist in Jerusalem and and it's and so the lambskin is going to be stretched between these olive branches that are made out of copper and iron and bronze and then this is going to be presented to the president at the White House and his family. And uh, it's going to be presented to them as a way to honor them and say thank you. And because in our culture, in Jewish culture, we give a vineyard to our son and we give an olive tr uh, tree to our grandsons. And so this is a legacy property. And we're going to make that presentation to him. And we're going to do it before November as an encouragement uh, timing wise. But we still have 100 trees that can be sponsored. And uh, and then we have uh, just six of the large trees. And if people want to uh, know about it, you can go to myolivetree.com. That's myolivetree.com and uh, forward slash Golan. And that would be for the Golan, G-O-L-A-N. Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for being on my podcast today. I want to just encourage my listeners to check out my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. I consider it the most important book I've ever written, and then its sequel, which is God, Trump, and COVID-19, which is about how you know this latest thing that none of us expected is going to have a real impact on the election. And I'll ask you to tune again tomorrow for another podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. And again, thank you to Kurt Landry of uh, House of David Ministries there in Tulsa for giving us all this insight about what really went on in that Trump rally last week. God bless you.